Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode, we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses' overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body, and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week, I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training, handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport. Are you ready to kick off today's show? Let's get started. Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and we are continuing on with our conversations around power battles with our horses and getting caught up in these power struggles. So today what I want to talk about is why. (laughs) Why do we get caught in these power struggles and how do we trip up into a power battle with our horses? So when we get caught in argument with our horse or conflict or we get told to like push the horse through it, put more pressure on them, work them through it, we're getting pushed into the power battle with our horses, what is actually happening is our horses saying no. And so what we have done is we have asked our horse to do something, the horse has said no, and then we're pushed into a fight of do it because I say so. So if we're going to get into a fight of do it because I say so, you know, we really need to make sure that the horse doesn't have a good reason for saying no in the first place. But we also have to make sure that we are a leader worth trusting for our horse to want to follow us. Otherwise, we're just going to be escalating our horse beyond threshold um, anyway, because then, you know, they have a legitimate reason for us saying for saying no to us because they're saying they don't trust us. And we need to make sure that they have their skills to manage the situation and the challenge that we're pushing them into as well. So if we're pushing you know, them past something scary, do they have the emotional agility skills to reshape their fear into confidence and curiosity? If they don't, then just putting more pressure on them, getting into that power battle, is just going to make them more spooky and more scared. So all we're going to do is push them into a big spook response. So what we're doing is we're going too quick, right? We're going, we're escalating into the because I say so too quick. If you're going to ask your horse to do something, let's leave the power battle off the table. And when they say no, ask why. And so, you know, the why is the trick. It is the loaded question. It is the difficult approach, Sometimes it can be easier to just push them through it and say, because I say so. A lot of the times it can be easier to just push them through it and say, because I say so. But at some point that un 
unravels, that doesn't get you beyond, you know, the problems that the horses actually are having. You can, there's only so many things that you can push your horse through before that, because they're scared, before they're just like frying out, losing their lollipop, unable to self-regulate. There's only so many fights that you can pick with your horse before it recognizes its strength against you and, you know, depending on what you've pushed them into, actually wants to hurt you. There's only so many situations that you can say, because I say so, and before your horse turns around and just says no to the because I say so. And you have to be very aware that if you're going to pick the because I say so fight, you want to know that you can manage the repercussions of what your horse does in retaliation to that. And that's quite often what happens when I end up going out to, you know, horses that have gotten to that place where their their behaviors are too dangerous and they're making their owners scared is because they've been pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, pushed through. And now the behaviors are getting so big because the horse isn't being heard. It has needs that are unmet. And has just been pushing through that it's been pushed past its ability to self-regulate and is now over threshold and is just reacting to what it's being pushed into. So let's start with the no. Why does your horse say no? And let's start with what does your horse want? So the best way to know why your horse is saying no to you is to understand what they want. Your horse wants to be in a big open field full of grass with no predators hanging out with its mates with uh, access to water and shelter. That is what your horse needs to be happy. It needs its herd to keep it safe because it's a prey animal and it needs um, other horses to be able to watch over it so that it can rest and sleep properly. It wants to forage 20 basically 23/7 and it wants to be able to see the landscape so that it knows if there are any predators around that it should be scared of or aware of that's it that's all they need that's how easy it is to keep them happy so you can really see that everything that we ask them to do is exactly what they don't want to do They don't want to be in stables, in yards, in floats, in confined spaces where they can't escape threats and, um, you know, predators and dangerous things. Uh, They don't want to be alone. They want to have a herd around them. They don't want to be pressured into facing their fears. They want to run away from them. So if you want your horse to want you to ride it, you're going to have to get pretty creative about how you're going to motivate them. You need to make sure that they are as pain-free as possible, that they enjoy learning, and they know how to give you the right answer. And this is the foundations of holistic horse handling. First, do no harm. First, rule out any reason why they might be saying no. Make sure they are as pain-free as possible. This is a little bit tricky, especially when we're working with green horses, because exercise 
is pain. <laughs> no pain, no gain. Anybody who has exercised knows that there is like a certain amount of pain involved in it. And so it's just being able to have an awareness and compassion and empathy to the horse for the amount of pain that is involved in carrying us and doing the work that we're asking of them. But then also like making sure that we have good communication through our bit pressure so that we're not using our bit as an aversive for pain to try and control them, but we're actually using the bit as a tool for communication. Uh, Making sure that we're balanced in the saddle so that we're not smacking them in the mouth and hitting them on the back with with our seat making sure their saddle fits, like ulcer-free, muscles are in good shape and condition, being able to exercise them appropriately for postural health because the biggest physical discomfort that they will have is from carrying us. We are sitting on a very vulnerable position on their back. If they don't have adequate top line muscle to carry and handle our weight and balance to still move freely, then we are going to create postural issues where they develop crooked. And then when the spine is out of alignment and we have like little twists, you can see it in, you know, a lot of the body workers will post pictures of where the pelvis might be rotated or have a twist, or, you know, the spine might curve a little bit, you know, those kinds of things are why our horses get sore backs, as well as poor saddle fit and concussion from our seat if we're not controlling our balance well. So making sure that our horse is as pain-free as possible is our first priority when we're addressing a no. If your horse is saying a no because they're trying to Um, tell you that they are in pain, trying to get into a power battle to push them through that is definitely going to either escalate their behavior depending on how bad the pain is or it's going to completely shut them down and tune them out. So they're just going to, you know, carry on with their job for fear of retribution in an immense amount of pain. Not an ideal scenario, right? Unfortunately, like... There are a lot of horses in work like that out there. Uh, So the next thing that we're looking for is make sure they actually are enjoying learning. Like, you know, when we are in with our coaches and we have the pressure put on us and we're getting drilled, we don't, we want to try as much as possible to not shift, transfer that performance pressure onto our horses just because we want to improve and we want somebody to pick on us to be better and improve our skills doesn't mean that our horse needs it. What motivates them? Give them pats, give them breaks, praise them, give them scratches, tell them they're good, release the pressure, release the pressure of your leg, release the pressure of the bit, give them stretches, give them walk breaks, make it enjoyable for them so that you're not drilling them Don't transfer the pressure that you're putting on yourself onto your horse and make, you know, being ridden drill sergeant experience on your horse. And at that same time, like, we're going to be doing things that are actually fun for your horse. It does have to be within your skill set. So you might need to start on the ground for a lot of this stuff, but cross training is so important. If you're always in 
the arena drilling movements and perfecting them, you're going to get bored and sour and wonder why you're going round and round in circles, but your horse is as well. Put some poles out, go on a hack, trail out, put some obstacles out, put some cones out, do something to break up the monotony of training your aids. While we're on this topic, like make sure you understand your timing and how to show the horse, like mark the behavior that you want and motivate it again. So for them to do it again. So really, you know, the cueing is the easiest part and if in your training you're getting mixed up between your cueing and your behavior modification, we're going to miss crucial um, moments of timing for your horse to understand what is being asked of them. Do a shaping plan. How are you going to guide the horse into the behavior? How are you going to mark the behavior that you've gotten what behavior are you going to mark for and then how are you going to motivate them to do it again you need to know this before like have this planned out before you go into your training with your horse so that you know how you're going to shape the behavior but also then so that you know how you're going to flex and adapt if the shaping doesn't go particularly well So what that looks like, for example, you know, something super simple like asking your horse to walk off of halter pressure, you know, we can accidentally reinforce if our if we ask our horse to walk from halter pressure and they rear and we get a fright and we let go then we're going to reinforce to our horse when they feel halter pressure to rear so being very aware of how you're going to set your horse up for success so that you're going to reinforce only the behaviors that you want but also when your horse reacts to you you're only you're not triggering fear. You're not triggering them to react negatively to the way that you've asked. So this is where you want to have yourself like a nice little set of skills, a nice little, um, you know, set of tools in your tool belt where if one way doesn't work, you're not necessarily going to have to change what you're doing or change the ask. You just uh, change the way that you're asking it. You adapt your ask. You adapt the way that you're going to shape the behavior or shape out how you're going to communicate to your horse what you're wanting them to do so that we have a little bit more of connection and, and willingness and so that your horse isn't so offended. An example of this is one of my absolute pet peeves is the submission-based ask of asking your horse to back up by shaking the lead at it. You don't even get me started. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, shaking your lead at your horse is so rude. Like your horse doesn't and they take offense to it. And that alone triggers, you know, reactive behaviors from your horse. Having to shake your lead at them to get them to back up is a very fear-based way of trying to control them because you don't want to get close enough to actually ask them to go backwards. If you can't just ask your horse to back off of halter pressure, you got some bigger problems. You need to be working on relaxation and connection-based training first Uh, in the paddock, maybe with protective contact, depending on what your horse is doing. 
without even considering applying pressure in the first place because if your horse is reacting to pressure like that then they are reacting in uh they're in their survival mode so they're going to be responding through fight or flight or shutting down and our horses you know we're going to wire in a survival-based response. We don't want to be wiring in survival-based responses to our ass because a survival-based response is not a horse that is going to look after us and is not going to look out for us. So just because you might actually get the right answer that you want or you might get the, the word that you're looking to communicate to them cued in doesn't mean that they actually understand it and doesn't mean that they've like got it established in their rational brain. The survival part of their brain and the rational part of their brain are two separate parts of their brain that don't really work together at the same time. And so for them to actually learn and consolidate memories, they need to repeat behaviors while they're in their prefrontal lobe while they're in their thinking and problem solving part of their brain and they can't be there if we've triggered their survival mode through fear of retribution, fear of punishment, fear of threat of survival, you know, um, aversive training methods through fear of humans. So if all of that has happened prior to you getting them and now they have a fear of humans, we're going to have to do some trauma work on reshaping and rewiring their association to people themselves. So learning how to learn is the most common skill missed in training horses because it takes time and breakers don't get the luxury of time to go through the process of teaching the horse that pressure isn't punishment, pressure is an ask and they need them to find the answer. What happens is to rush them through the training process is that we're just going to do lots of high pressure and get the horse to kind of figure it out without really giving them the support to help them understand why that's the answer. So that gets, you know, the basics cued in uh, so that you could kind of send the horse home and, you know, they know how to stop, go and turn. But it doesn't give the horse the problem-solving skills to understand how to learn new behaviors. So what happens is every time you go to teach your horse something new, it becomes a very high-stress situation because the horse doesn't understand how to find the answers. And so they get frustrated, anxious, worried, like depending on their personality type. If they sit into more of our aggressive quadrant, they'll get frustrated and it'll escalate to kind of like lashing out and maybe rearing if they sit into, um, you know, our people pleaser quadrant, then they'll start to get really stressed. And quite often those horses are a little bit of adrenaline junkies. And so they'll switch over into flight mode and they will basically stay there and they will run until they collapse from exhaustion. So it's really important that 
we have an awareness of how we're wiring this the first time because that's going to play out for the rest of their lives. If we're wiring in responses because we're spooking them into reacting to us, we're getting them into the survival mode, we're taking them out of problem solving and now they no longer know how to learn and so learning becomes a stressful experience. If we can keep them feeling safe, secure, connected, if we can keep them feeling confident, trust and faith in us and we can guide them into the behaviors show them that that's yes that's the behavior that we wanted and give them a high level of reward and motivation to want to do it again then when it comes to learn something new a lot of the times the horses actually get excited because the learning of something new is challenging but there's a high sense of reward through task achievement at the end of it figuring having to figure out something when they've had it drilled into them through a high-pressure, high-stress situation means that they're not going to enjoy learning. Having them, you know, able to experiment and experience and problem-solve and make choices and test it out and see if it was right or not can be a really rewarding and fulfilling experience for the horses and can really motivate them to enjoy learning and wanting to do new things. And this is what we're trying to do when we're shaping out our horses' behaviours, is we want them to enjoy the learning process. We don't want learning to be fraught with stress and pressure and then they have no emotional resilience and then they just have meltdowns and collapse under pressure. When we can incorporate more play-based training styles with learning how to learn with our young horses, we're going to have so much more willingness and so much less fight on our hands when it comes to actual work work as they get older. And so the other thing that quite often gets missed is that the horses don't actually know how to give the right answer. So when we drill them and we keep the pressure on, they stop trying. And so then we put more pressure on them because they've stopped trying and they've stopped putting effort in. So it's really important that we set them up. We reward for effort, not drill for perfection, and we give lots of praise and encouragement because that's what's going to give that beautiful performance that we're looking for, or that's what's going to give them the confidence when they want to go out on a trail ride to investigate the things that they're scared of. Just trying to push and pressure and battle them into the behaviors that we want is only going to create antagonistic situations that flare into big, unmanageable and uncontrollable behaviors. Let's just take the idea of the power battle off the table when it comes to training and figure out how we can work together with our horses you know figure out ways like in our holistic horse handling program we have ways of keeping the um keeping the ego in check is that can quite often be triggered in our training environments with our horses like we can get frustrated or upset or grumpy at our horses for not cooperating so being able to keep our ego in check with some training rules like three repetitions three repetitions change the exercise um reward for effort don't drill for perfection have adjustable goalposts have a shaping plan like those kinds of things just keeping your own um 
antagonized emotions in check so that you're not taking that out on your horse so that you can find a way of working together with your horse towards the goals. If you're loving what you're listening to on the podcast, you might be starting to recognize that trying to control your horse through submission-based training is the worst way to ask your horse to look after you. If you're working with or riding horses, you know how unpredictable and sometimes scary they can be. Unfortunately, most struggling horse riders make the mistake of thinking they can physically control their 400 plus kilo fur babies by moving their feet or spooking them into responding with flags and join up. Without giving your horse a reason to care about you and look after you, you will most likely end up with a horse that is disconnected at best, shut down or explosive at worst because they can't communicate their needs with you. Especially if you are already scared, worried or nervous handling your horse. That's why we've created our new free online training experience, Building a Connection with Your Horse. This is how I've gone about creating safe horses for beginners, no matter the breed or previous handling experiences. If you want to learn the secret source behind developing safe horses that care about you and look after you without trauma triggering training methods, register for our new training today at www.equestriumovement.com forward slash connection and I will uncover the three big mistakes you might be making if you're trying to build a relationship with your horse and how you can start building your horse's trust and confidence in you as a leader worth following.